0: Hello. Hi there. Welcome to the Guiding Voice podcast series. The Guiding Voice for a Better Future. This podcast is to help professional students, IT employees, and entrepreneurs to shape their careers. Dear listeners, in every episode, we interact with industry experts or leaders or academicians or coaches across the globe to drive some insightful conversations that will help our audience learn great things. Also, we share an interesting trivia or fun facts about the IT world or technology towards the end. Thank you for tuning in. This is Naveen and with my co-host Sudhakar. So folks, when we talk about career, many of us wonder what it takes to grow up in the ladder. Is it something got to do with value-based contribution? So let us get Sweetie's insights in today's episode and well around the topic value-based contribution in our career. And we are pleased to welcome Sweetie to our show.
1: Sweety Rath works
0: as a global vice president HR with Aspect software.
1: Aspect works in the contact center product industry, creating enterprise solutions to drive peak performances in large contact centers. Aspect's best-of-breed capabilities extend across both contact center and workforce optimization needs and can be deployed in the contact center environment of choice for an on-premises or hosted platform or aspect via for a cloud-neutral contact center platform. Sweetie has been supporting and enabling businesses in creating strategic intervention to optimize productivity, enhance culture of ownership to drive the results. She has been a business partner to the technology stack, sales and professional services stack over the last 16 years. Sweety was awarded Women Excellence Award for 2020 by the International Leadership Development Council and Academy of Management Professionals for her exemplary contributions in the field of talent management. Sweetie, welcome to our show.
2: Thank you. Very good afternoon to all my listeners, if I would want to say. Uh, I am really honored and grateful for a fantastic introduction about me. Sudhakar and me go back a few years having a wonderful working relationship. And I'm so happy to be part of the Guiding Voice journey. Thank you, Sudhakar. Thank you, Naveen.
1: Thank you, Sweetie, for taking time for our audience. So, Sweetie, please share with us your career journey and interests to help our audience to get to know you better.
2: Sure. Thank you so much. My name was coined as Sweetie Rath by my mother. And very often I get embarrassed with my name because calling Sweetie has been a more affectionate way of addressing. So I selected a career which is not a very affectionate career, if I have to say, and I'm using the word affectionate with an inverted quotes. I supported human capital management. Imagine supporting human minds, right? It is so complex. But I didn't start my journey that way. I started as an engineer, just like... Sudhakar, just like many of us across who would be listening, because I thought what it brought into my thinking and ability to move ahead was my analytical and logical reasoning. When I did my electrical engineering, I just thought that I might be like building the next biggest circuit breaker and that might just help never electric lines to trip, but I didn't do any of that. I joined Dell and I realized that, you know what, people are more complex than machines, understanding their mind is much difficult than to code a python language so i said i want to get into hr okay a typical 23 year old confused young person who is uh, trying to figure out where passions are where focus are I started moving into the journey of learning, adapting myself, what came my way. Like they say, this has been an historical journey for me in my own life. And that's what the last 16 years have been. I moved from one step to the other step across HR, never built a boundary, never had a watertight compartment way of saying, I will only do hiring, I will only look at compensation, I will only do career development. What I thought to myself is, let me try solving a problem. In the process, if I learn something, I will call it as HR. If I do not learn, I will call it as an experience in becoming a better HR. In this journey of 16 years, the only thing that stood with me beyond the organization's is the people experiences. I carry them from one leg to the other leg of my career. And I have only realized that as I sort of get my hair gray more and I got to really put a lot of makeup to come before camera, the experiences that people treat you and teach you with helps you to position yourself as Either you are a contributing factor or an enabling factor in your life. So I keep shifting between both of this journey. In the last 16 years, I have realized that there is no role that you cannot build in your career, which is in the job descriptions. You need to build your career around the description of the job, which adds contribution to the organization. Today, I play a global vice president HR role. Sounds very swanky and, you know, like, wow. But I just realized it's very lonely at the top. It's very scary at the top. The reason I say that is because as you grow up in the ladder, people do not care how much you know until unless they know how much you care. So as I have grown up in my career, I have always realized and tried to understand that Let me start taking care of people and their careers, people and their passion, their interests, their weaknesses, and develop on their strengths. So that's me, I do that for a living. Sometimes I get paid for it, so I'm lucky. When I don't get paid for it, I learn about it as an experience.
1: Wow, thank you for that great summary, Sweetie. So the field of uh, electrical engineering's loss was human resources gain then. Huh? And I like the aspect that you touched upon in way back in 2004 to 2005, when you did not have the required guidance at that point of time, when you quoted that, you know, you were in a confused state. In fact, the guiding voice when Naveen and I started, that was one of the primary reasons why we wanted this to be recorded and available in almost all digital platforms. Because we wanted the current generation to have that guiding factor and someone they can reach out to and someone they can listen to with their past experiences. So thank you for that. And with your passion, I don't think you would require a fancy title, sweetie. (laughs) You know, with your passion and with your uh, problem solving mindset, I'm sure whatever you are called in the organization, the value will definitely come out. So thank you for that summary. So moving on to next topic, you know, in last 16 years that you are engaged with this human capital management, you know, what according to you are the values to be exhibited by a specific individual at the workplace that help that individual to be successful? Like you said, it can be change in responsibilities, bigger titles, fancy grades, you know, whatever that may be.
2: Yeah, that's that's a fantastic question. And uh, this is, uh, as much as the world is changing and we are trying to manage and lead changes, certain things remain really fundamental. You know, it's almost like, I would say the foundation, just like how our parents have, right? You guys all would have heard this. You might, you bring your progress report, you might have got like three A's, one A minus and one B minus. Your parents will only go to the A minus and B minus. It's not because they love you any less or they feel that you do not have the talent. It is basically trying to push to constantly improve and that is one thing that I have realized that as a value that we can bring into any scope of work be it an entrepreneur be it a large multinational organization or be it single member company as well you need to develop what is an English word for adaptability I basically call it as survival of the fittest you know Charles said this that neither the strongest nor the most intelligent survives. It's the most adaptable that does. And COVID situation was a fantastic one, right? Moving from there is a joke and meme that go around saying that the digital transformation was brought by the COVID virus and not by the CTO or the CIO. And I think that is a value that we should inculcate about adapting to a situation. Now, how does adapting happen? Adaptive doesn't happen when you learn. It actually happens when you unlearn. When you start to realize that you your thinking might just about reach a glass ceiling so you need to start rethinking that's the first value I would consider the second and a very interesting value would be you know I want to quote this again many of us would have read this book right when the going gets tough the tough gets going it's a very very motivational and a good book I've read it a couple of times but I thought I'll just change it slightly that when the going gets tough the tough gets creative. Don't do more, do it differently. I think that is one way when we realize what value we can add. And I would like to quote here as an example, there are many times we are in a position where we may not have all the cards at our side to influence a decision. It is just our passion, our conviction that, okay, this is how it has to work. Now, if the other party is not agreeing or listening or seeing your point of view, Don't try to fight it out. Basically try to align the thought so that you can create a win-win situation. That is the first approach of solving a problem. So it is adaptability, it is creativity. And I think all of this will have no value if you are not training your mind for a constant bias for action. I want to use the word bias here with a very strong conviction that if I do not train myself, that I have to be relevant at all times, I have to like really do something at all times. I think I'm basically posing a wait and a watch moment. I know. When we were all in a lockdown from March 23rd after Janta curfew, even as we speak, many times we did a wait and watch. But just take an introspection. Did you actually wait and watch? Not really. Because we were trying to adapt ourselves to the new normal. Because we were teaching our mind constantly that I have to still work. I have to still manage home, manage children, manage my responsibility, take greater care of my health. So all the things that we kept to the rare side of the car, now came into the front, a passenger seat, if not the driver's seat, and then finally we brought it to the driver's seat by the time the year ended. So for me, the value that a person or anybody has to exhibit in a workplace should be very strong adaptability. Trying to be creative. Don't try to innovate and boil the ocean. There are many, many experts in the world who have tried it. The only reason they succeeded is because they were creative than the others. And last and the most important thing will be have a bias for action.
0: Amazing insights. So, the value that we are going to create for ourselves and for the organization, and it is going to take us a long way. And when we specifically talk about this value, it is something intangible in nature. But, how can we measure how someone is adding value to the organization by his or her contributions?
2: Absolutely. And this question, you know, gets asked to me. I ask this question to myself. I'm sure the audience, all of us ask this question to ourselves that how did we kind of start our day and how did we end our day? Did we really make any needle move from where it was? The best part about our jobs is it just gives us a situation where we always try to say, you know what, I will wait for the big result. I will wait for that big sales deal which is a $1 million deal, then I'll get my commission. That's the value I'm adding. I think where we forget is how your day-to-day working is adding that value. So if I have to kind of put some objective metrics, and this is where I just use my engineering brain a little bit, is try to objectivize and productize things. So I'm talking to all of you all right now. It is a 60 minutes investment altogether. 60 into three, like three of us are investing that time. What is the value that brings in in this conversation? Maybe we are becoming a better version of ourselves. I think if we are able to associate value in an organization, we need to look at putting a revenue value to it. Now, I cannot directly always impact revenue. Maybe at a very senior grade, I can. But where is that feature that I am developing in the product, which is solving a customer need? So, in one of my previous organization there was a very interesting conversation that i used to have with my product vice president he was somebody who loved to have things perfect but when i started getting to know him better he always told us that there is nothing called as perfect we are only directionally correct so when we move in that journey we often reach perfection so when we look at value try to see in your current role how beautifully have you played your role than your past contribution That is your first value add. Can you objectivize your contribution? If you're writing 100 lines of code, can you write maybe about 20 lines lesser and deliver the same code and deliver the same output? Now, there are many interesting ways of increasing operational efficiency. You know, there's so many great methods, all the Six Sigma processes. Yes, they, they are good. I mean, I'm also a Six Sigma certified lean practitioner and all of it. But when I come to the fundamental of trying to drive transformation through value, I have always realized there are three things that are very, very important. Urgency, accountability, results. And this is the core value of the organization I I work for, where we try to say that, do not, cannot measure, you cannot improve. So do not do anything what you cannot measure. So every time when you have a sense of urgency to measure, you will try to see, okay, how I can build it in a way I can measure it. Today, human emotions also could be measured. So how do we create situations, environments to measure? And that's where your creativity, your adaptability comes into play. One of the things as a human resource professional, I I always tell my leaders and I always coach many of the managers is about subjectivity is in our mind everything you know love is a very subjective feeling respect is a very subjective feeling pride is a very subjective feeling but all of the three things bring out your best when you're trying to measure it through a productivity lens you need to like your work you need to feel very proud about your work that you're making some sort of a contribution and you need to feel respected for your work which is all the rewards recognitions everything that we do in companies so we are bringing in smaller objective ways to measure the value of each of it finally we are getting a productivity. So every Every time we do a performance appraisal we do a review we do a like a sales forecast call try to see how you can objectivize it then make it like a template you know as engineers we're very familiar with templates that right? we get very excited that there is a template because we know that that is like a success formula it's a plug and play kind of a thing template that and then move to the next one so over a period of time i guess we'll develop the value
0: So you brought a different perspective together. As a Lean Six Sigma practitioner, myself, you brought a new definition. Uh, I used to believe in one principle, what can be measured can be improved. If at all, your improvements are not leading to any results, don't work on it. That is what has resonated with me. And many of us aspire to grow in the careers and move up the value chain, right? So how does someone work towards moving up in the value chain in terms of organizational growth?
2: That's a you know a, like a very utopian question, but I I love to answer that question because almost every year I have a very evolved definition to this question because maybe I am also slowly inching inching moving in the value chain somewhere. You know I want to contextualize this question and make it slightly more abstract to the to the environment we are in, which is which is in India, a highly information technology driven mindset of millennials here, a very very young workforce that we have. I think some of uh, you know people like Sudhakar who are stalwarts have seen multiple industries and have come from a government background into a non-government background would see how the talent demographic or the talent like they say the climate has changed. What has come out of this journey of how talent has evolved is we were at one stage trying to basically do back-end office management job. From there we moved into creating a body shopping staff augmentation kind of a job from there we went on creating product management jobs and then product ownership so if we try to say like this is an example that I always quote with my limited experience in the information technology world mostly in the product side of it is why fundamentally a product is created I mean I always ask this to anybody I talk that why is I mean I have a lip balm that's here on my table why was this created something which is handy which could be carried which could solve multiple purposes of keeping your lips hydrated when you're talking a lot in a tropical. So every product has to be a problem-solving outcome. It could solve the problem, it could create another problem, we do not know. When we create a product, the thought is what is possibly the goldmine. So if somebody wants to move up the value chain in their career, the thought leadership is what is going to help them move the value chain. How well you execute definitely is important because there is no strategy that can be successful without execution. But how well you are even thinking about it is where you make a difference. so again, you know, trying to state we are, we are in an age of driverless cars, right? But we had driverless cars even from in the 19, maybe the 60s, where you had lifts as well. Lifts were typically a driverless cars, right? Taking you up and down unidirectionally. Now, from there, we are moving to possibly driverless cars on roads with actual traffics. We're talking of chatbots, the internet of things and whatnot. In every journey of trying to make a technology disruption, there comes a product that is trying to solve a problem. So my suggestion, my advice, or I would say my experience sharing with anybody and my audience will be that try to look at the bigger picture where you're solving the problem. You might be a small jigsaw puzzle that will just go and fit in the bigger picture. You cannot really draw it out yourself single-handed. But if you want to move up the value chain, That is possibly the only way. There is no shortcut to that. So we need to create our thinking, tune our thinking to a way where we are trying to solve a purpose. I see many times a lot of software engineers, students who start their careers, who are about, you know, two, three years of experience, really enthusiastic, often concentrating on trying to create like a technology mark for themselves, which is great. But let's try to understand the why more than the how. The more time we spend on the why, The how will be an outcome. It's such an irony of life. We don't like our parents when we are teenagers. By the time we understand them, we are already parents. So we are disliked by somebody else. It's pretty much like that, that if you're trying to create value and you understand it quickly for yourself, you need to have a thought that you are already in a position of a thought leader. There is a concept I think I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago on a social media platform called as distributed leadership. The organizations are moving into a very agile, a very nimble way of working where you do not keep leadership as a a position. You are basically creating leadership as a behavior. So when leadership becomes a behavior, it is something like, I pass on the baton to the person who is sitting next to me, irrespective of what years of experience or knowledge the person has to drive that. So when we want to move up the value chain, we need to exhibit a thought leadership so that when there is a opportunity to become a leader we are that leader try doing that in your careers and you might about see that you will get a lot of resistance because we are a huge population okay there is a generational diversity people say that you know oh no no you you guys get so much of money you just have started your careers you don't understand it yes so the other thing that keeps us moving up the value is trying to create a sense of belongingness. In 2019 World Economic Forum, one of the discussion topic about how to create a more inclusive workforce was not about diversity and inclusion. It was basically about belonging. The concept was something that stayed with me for a very long time. And I want to share that it is a quotation I'm quoting from the World Economic Forum meeting, where they say that inviting everybody into a party is diversity. Okay, calling them to dance in the party is inclusion, not looking at them and allowing them to dance the way they want is belonging. If, as an organization, we want to create a niche for ourselves, a mark for ourselves in adding value, we need to create an environment around us where we are known by the thoughts we bring in. So, our thoughts better be intelligent, smart, and ahead of our times. We are known by the disruption that we are ready to try, which means we have a courage and a bravery. To try something new and third and the most important thing is we should be vulnerable which means I can stand up and say oh yes I screwed up sorry for my words but I missed it I can come back take a few steps back and learn again so moving up the value chain does not mean always moving up north it basically means that you are moving like a jungle gym like how small children play they will reach the exit destination through any road and that's brings the creativity sorry for a long answer but this is my 16 years of experience where earlier I used to think that if I become a manager, I've moved up the value chain. If I become a senior manager, I have moved up higher. Today I consider that, no, if I'm able to do one activity in a month, which is enabling one software engineer in the organization to think and try something courageously, I'm a good HR professional.
1: You are a good HR professional, sweetie. Having that direct experience, I think I can quote from my own experience of uh, having that HR relationship with you. But thank you for those pearls of wisdom. I really liked those uh, three themes as I noted in my mind. One, address the problem because automatically you will create that value for yourself in that overall big picture or in that bigger canvas. Leadership is a behavior, so do not look for titles only. But titles definitely will follow once you showcase and once you demonstrate that as a behavior. And I like that example that you picked for that diversity, inclusion and behavioral aspect of it or belongingness, sorry, I should say. So, sweetie, you touched upon India has that potential opportunity, right? So, India has potentially been one of the biggest workforce for technical skills across the globe, right? We have been a supplier starting from the example that you picked from body shopping to becoming our being only an offshore delivery center to a technology leader from where you know, you can drive results. So what are your views for such a talented, diversified workforce that we have got in India? to create uniqueness in their contribution of course employees are people with india background indian background like satya nadala or sundar Pichaya, many many more are actually showing that by moving their base away from india right so what will be your thoughts to ensure that we give that opportunity or that uh, a secret recipe to be shared to this young audience you know that will be listening to this podcast
2: Absolutely. And uh, this is something, um, you know, I try to uh, spend a lot of my time mentoring and and coaching people who are starting on their careers. I think we have a position of advantage, a demographic advantage that we have. The demographic advantage comes from a, a landscape which is gearing up for what, like a $5 trillion economy. That's what the India skill report, I think last year's skill report says. Now. What makes it interesting is that we have so many sectors where you can explore your talent. Now, culturally, and I want to take it again a little bit abstract and try to uh, share my thoughts. Culturally, we have we have come from our backgrounds, our families, where humility is a part of our upbringing. You know, sometimes humility is something that comes from the very nature of staying in a, in a large family setup, in a community setup where there is always somebody who has been there done it all so you always are in many ways in a lack of a better word i will say in a receiving end of the information and you gradually go into the sending end of it now on the turn of the millennials and i would say some of us have been there i come from a very small city Back then in 2004 four five, when I graduated, I did my engineering. The city I came from had exactly two cinema theatres and we were not allowed to go to that cinema theatres because perceptionally cinema theatres were not a good place for girls to go. Now, from a journey to there to Bangalore was a culture shock for me and from Bangalore to Boston, I would not even want to talk about it right now. But uh, when we talk of the talent growth, you will see that these are the small cities where the talent has been budding. It is opportunity which creates the talent to shine out. Now, I always go back and tell people and my audience for this talk is bring in your humility, but also know how to do a shameless pitch. You are your brand. If you do not know how to sell yourself, how on earth will the organization know how to sell yourself? Okay. It's difficult. I'm a 21 year old graduate. How will I go and tell somebody, Oh, I have this great thought. You're absolutely correct. Nobody is just sitting there to take your great thought. So what I would like to emphasize here is a differential value proposition. This is a concept that is very easy, like the three English words that I used. But try to create your differentiated strength. Now, how do we how do we find our differentiated strength? I tell this in my organization more often that I'm a brown woman sitting out of a 1.3 billion, you know, headcount trying to manage People from all diverse parts of the world who are nothing but brown and nothing but women. Many times I walk into a boardroom meetings and it is still the same. I would be the only person who's a woman there. Now, it is there are two ways to look at it. One, can I increase more number of women? Second, how many women are signing up for this? And I don't want to digress from just going to women but talk about talent. Is Find your most passionate focus. Okay? Because you are not in a rat race. You are basically trying to create your differentiated value proposition. So find your focus. Find what is that natural ability you have. When I started my career, my natural ability was not to think and write an algorithm. My natural ability was to go and execute things. But it took me some time to find. The third and the most important step, which is where we are unable to do a shameless pitch is we do not inform and educate ourselves and increase our sphere of influence. So if you want to create a differentiated value proposition in such a diverse and a rich talent uh, landscape that we have and want to call your contribution unique, you need to inform and educate. Many of us, when we were just kind of starting our not even our journey of job but maybe getting into a vocational engineering or medical or any other vocational courses the internet was just starting out you know doing a yahoo.com email was the big thing but today so many avenues have opened up that i recently read about somebody trying to you know basically create products which is uh, which is for women hygiene and create it in a much more sustainable fashion and that is a one billion dollar valuation organization. So when I think of how people are considering their natural abilities, their skills and strength, And how their information gathering process is happening? They are trying to create a niche for themselves. My attempt to talk to guiding voice is actually trying to volunteer and trying to create a more relevancy for myself. So I fundamentally believe that this journey never stops. In the ecosystem that we are, we have information around us. What we need to tap on is our passion. How do we make ourselves relevant? How do we educate ourselves? Because education goes the longest way in this journey. And finally. Create your own brand. If you can't sell yourself, nobody can sell
1: you. So that differentiated strength is something that actually resonated well with me. I'm sure our uh, audience are going to focus more on it and double click more on it to ensure that they know how to show what they bring to the table in a more quotes, shameless way, right? So sweetie, in the current uh, times, we cannot miss out our good friend COVID, right? So in this current virtual and hybrid world that we live in, COVID has changed many things, and people management or human capital management, as you put it, is no exception. So what are your views on how the hiring, developing, growing the employees changed to contribution for the organization in this post-pandemic world?
2: Absolutely. And this is something um, that's, again, evolutionizing. You know, as as human minds, we, we don't like a lot of change, right? We want our breakfast in a certain order. We want, like, the same colors that we have worn for a long time. So the hashtag new normal is basically we trying to uh, tell our mind that this, this is what we want to do. Like, let's not change anything. Let's let it stay as it. But COVID unfortunately doesn't allow us to stay anything as is. It just changes. Nevertheless, we have kind of moved the curve of the human capital side of it from just dealing with it to accepting it and now basically moving into a more hybrid way of managing it. I think the journey has not stopped. I want to use that distinction. For sure. But how the talent now is becoming advantageous for us, it is becoming a boundaryless organization. Our dependabilities are not on people and their places, but are on talent and how they learn and invest quickly. Uh, we are moving into a transformation world of moving out from engaging people to creating experiences. So, uh, what used to be perceived as employee engagement is now employee experience. And employee experience is something like Very unique to every individual. So, if you are part of an organization where you are a professional, where you are trying to create experiences, use a formula of individual customization to mass customization. Earlier, we did not have that because you know, you always had something called as a percentage, like a survey. You want to do an employee satisfaction survey, a voice of customer. You might just about say, oh, 65% are happy, I'm good. But today, it is moving into how each of that benefit is getting perceived as an experience for the employee the next thing that uh, human resources and professionals management professionals people who are managing people are experiencing and need to create a value for themselves is how do you create a sustainable culture where the big hairy audacious goal which used to be there and all of us sitting across the conference room and talking about it, doing these big workshops, it's very difficult to keep the focus on a little 15 inch laptop screen for two days. So how do you bring your goals into small tasks, take your tasks into small activities, put something like targeted behavior over target and below target. measure it because again the small bites of success that you get in achieving a small little activity goes a long way in achieving a goal so in terms of hiring Developing and managing talent in the post-COVID world is a mixture of trying to create each role having its uniqueness in its contribution factor. So as managers, whoever is managing people, guiding people, mentoring people should look at this aspect of when they're going to hire. Try to make a pitch to your employee or try to make a pitch to your candidate stating that why the role is important for the organization. Because once you understand that, you will make make sure that you hire the right person for it. When you're trying to develop somebody, make sure that what the, personals, the personnel that you're dealing with, what his or her strength is, and then try to build an experience around it. Finally, when you're trying to take care of your top performers, try to make sure that you are able to invest on them where they can see results much more faster in the virtual environment than it used to be earlier. We all miss the, what they call as the air cooler conversations, right? Because the office camaraderie was a big thing. You can't create that at home. And even if you want to create it post-COVID with all these vaccinations in place, it's still going to take at least more than half a year for the kind of country and the scale that we have. So I think it is a true test of time for value more than anything else. Because today your roles, your contributions are only going to be measured by a value scale, not by how biased your manager is, how happy you and your manager like to hang around having a cup of coffee or any good relations that you maintain because everything is put to test at the moment.
0: Sweetie, mind-blowing conversation so far. Very, very eye-opening conversation. So let us fast pace this discussion with some rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? One thing that you love, being a HR
2: traditional about being in HR so the thing I love about being in HR is uh, sometimes I can throw my weight around and people listen to me I love everything about being in HR trust me, so there is there is nothing I can. go ahead great,
0: great so here comes the second one which is in line with our topic today what is one value that look for when hiring a candidate
2: mm-hmm. I hire for will I feel that skills can be easily inculcated
0: awesome here comes the third one what is one thing that not many know about you
2: i was a radio jockey in bangalore and i used to be in the radio station after finishing my night shift doing the early morning uh, uh, four o'clock slot uh, i did that for uh, for a brief period of time and the money was excellent i never told this to my parents but yeah that's something not many people know
0: <laughs> that's amazing so whom do you look up to as an influencer in your life
2: I think it's my mother uh, she has been one person who who always uh, uh, shown me uh, that the strength doesn't lie in the confidence that people have it basically lies in the confidence you have within yourself so she's somebody I look up to
0: that's cool one last one for this rapid fire round. What is the strangest food that you have eaten so far?
2: Strangest food. Oh, you know, no, I'm, I'm I'm so non-experimental with food, but I think I um I, I tried. Okay, I don't know if it's a, I, I just hope I don't land up into a problem, but I tried a, a particular type of a meat which is uh, which is I think uh, I think it's it's, it's- tried that particular type of meat with thinking that it is just naughty chicken and it is difficult to eat but after finishing a, almost a whole bowl i realized the taste remained for some time but it was quite delicious so i don't know if i call it strange or not
0: so what do you
1: Sudhakar? thank you sweetie it has been a phenomenal conversation like always one last question for this session You covered it in many uh, answers that we had this uh, overall conversation. But as a summary, the secret recipe for success from your side, what would it be? (laughs)
2: Secret, okay. (laughs) Wonderful. It's, It's beyond the book secret, right? Well, I think I can only share from what my experience has been. You know, success is like happiness, a state of at the moment. Happiness is a state of mind successes at the moment in order to achieve success i believe that don't be great be consistently good use rejection as a motivation be high on self-reflection in fact be very very high on self-reflection because that's the only way you can be positive these are three attributes that I always believe. It's quite an oxymoron that you asked me secret for success and I said use rejection as motivation because that is the strongest sentiment that we feel, you know, being rejected in life, being rejected in career, in, in, in a promotion opportunity, a sales deal increment. It's, it's quite natural to fall demotivated. I think I use always rejection to get motivated and I'm very, very self-reflective. I think every tough conversation that I have been part to, I go to conduct it or I am a receiving end. I just know that I can be the only person who will pull me out of that. So I, I reflect, I try to be be a positive influence on myself and you know, it's always easy to do that one great movie, you know, Hrithik Roshan, Kahona Pyar Hai, one great movie can happen. All the cards are in the right order, but then the second movie doesn't work similarly in our life that one great company one great role can happen but if you are consistently good it's like standing in a bus stop you know the you miss the bus but you're preparing for the next bus so the moment the bus comes in you are by natural the right choice so do not perceive success with accomplishment just be good you will be successful thank you
1: wow thank you sweetie for that amazing conversation and that three-point summary be consistently good and use rejection as a motivation and be high on self-reflection with that great three-point summary we want to thank you for taking time and we want to wish you all the best sweetie i know you do not need any wishes with the passion and the attitude that you have towards life and career so thank you very much. It has been an amazing experience to talk to you about value-based contribution in our career. Thank you.
2: Thank you. It has as well a very very learn uh, helpful and a learning uh, session for me too. Because as I was speaking, I think now I hear my own mind as a guiding voice which will help me to be a better version. Lovely getting back with you Sudhakar once again. Uh, I just hope our paths cross again to work with your one challenging leader that always inspired. Naveen, again, great energy, uh, great thought of putting this uh, together and all the very best for great health and great lives for all of us. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much and uh, I think uh, this is going to be one of the memorable conversations that we had so far and uh, not to uh, mention but Sudhakar had already set very high expectations on this session and in fact we were very very curious about this and it really exceeded my expectations that was I would say amazing Conversing with you sweetie. I'm I'm,
2: I'm really humbled thank you so much.
0: Alright, so it brings us to the trivia segment of today's episode. So folks, today's trivia is about Apple. Again, Apple is one of the most prominent companies in the world, but do you know, Apple has been into some other business other than computing and electronics. So if you want, you can take a guess, but as per the ritual, let me reveal the answer. In 1986, soon after Steve Jobs has stepped down, Apple has launched its clothing line and it was described as a train wreck by others. So. Soon after Steve Jobs has stepped down as chairman, they have started this lifestyle cum clothing range. And it offered a whole bunch of oversized sweatshirts, tiffins, in addition to the specs and bags. I don't know how many of you have heard about it before, but it's an interesting pattern. Interesting, isn't it? Thank you for listening. There is more in-store, folks. Stay tuned. Take care. Be safe. Until next time. Bye-bye. And we are signing off for today.